Bogus listeners, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Forever Bogus Podcast. And it's me, your rerun boy, B-Boy Bogus Bryce, a.k.a. Mr. Bryce's, staring at the beautiful eyes of my best friend, Jamie Killsby, a.k.a. Hey, what's up? It's J-Dog, Baby Blue Eyes, your favorite rapper for the lunch school <laughs> middle table. Well, the lunch school middle table. The lunch school. The, okay, okay, okay. Let me take that over. Take all, right, over. all right, all right, take two. Hey, no, no, don't even, don't cut it. I'm not going to cut it. Just leave take it. Take two. Hey, what's up? It's Baby Blue Eyes, J-Dog, your favorite rapper from the middle school lunch table. I'm in your feed. I got what you need. <laughs> I love that. We're keeping that from now on. We're going to isolate that and just use that from now on. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not going to be able to do that again. <laughs> that was tough. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this rerun episode of the Forever Bogus podcast this week. It is still winter. Last time I looked out the window. And we thought it would be fun to do a rerun episode while we are still on hiatus, creating all that great nostalgic content for the remainder of the season. And uh, we decided we're going to talk about the infamous Nickelodeon t- film from 2000 called Snow That is right. Yeah, I, I think I, if you're a regular listener and... You know, you're, you're a listener of a lot of podcasts, maybe. Maybe you listen to several and you see rerun. You're going to go, oh, rerun. Oh, what? No, no, no. <laughs> this is, um, this is, this is one to listen to. I, I don't think this one got enough of love on our initial, initial, initial. our initial <laughs> upload. Well, it, it did initially premiere in uh, December of 2018. So it's, it's wow. over two years ago. And I'm sure a lot of people, have for either either forgotten about this episode or have never heard it. Because if you listen to, you know, our first couple episodes of the season, uh, you will come to find out that all of our previous episodes were taken down. Uh, so this episode went to the ether and a lot of people do not remember this or never heard it. Finally, here's an opportunity to listen to that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, man, where Gosh, it's 2018. So listen to our voices and hear what it sounds like to not know about a pandemic. We're, we don't even know. We have no idea about the pandemic I know. I feel yet. like both of us have gotten so much more mature. Our voices have gotten lower in 2020. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's up with that. Maybe our balls have dropped a little more. I don't know. It's, no, it's interesting. I, yeah, because I was yanking on them every day. I was oh, pulling I them see. further. Part of your morning, morning routine. Um, You know what would be a fun game, listener out there? Uh, I listen to this episode, okay? And see when you could spot my seasonal depression coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, it's I, throughout the entire episode. I'm, I'm the same I'm, way. And we may even comment on that. We may. I'm, I am, I am, you know, famously good at hiding it. But I remember the time of recording this, my seasonal depression was, oh my God, off the charts. I was like, yeah. I don't want to do podcasts. I don't want to do it. Yeah, you're like, Christmas is over. What else is there to do in my life? I don't want to say that and have you, oh, maybe I should turn the shit off. I think. <laughs> It's still a very good episode. We actually, if anything, you should it should make you want to listen to it more because we worked harder for it. Because not I, only I did agree. we research it, we had to push really hard uh, to make it happen. It's like you know, you know, passing a very uh, I don't know a kidney um, stone. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and speaking of kidney stones, maybe we should do a drinking game with this. So every time you hear us mention the adventures of Pete and Pete, take two drinks. You'll be dead. You'll 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 be dead by the end of the episode. If you want to die, do that. (laughs) And you're probably Um, thinking, Snow Day, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah. Well, we go in further detail about that in this episode. Yeah, quite a lot. I want want to explain it now, but maybe I should just save a little bit for you to hear in the episode. All right, let's let our past selves explain that, okay? Well, maybe we should do this like a time machine. Okay. Have you ever seen the TARDIS? No. It's from Doctor Who. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. We're going to step into that. Well, what what is your time travel vehicle of, you know, preference? I, I, I probably guess. will do with the Bill and Ted's uh, phone booth. So it's pretty much the same thing as Doctor Who. It's not the same. Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty it's, damn close. It's decidedly not the same. For, for people who are ignorant, it's the same. Because, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, Bill and Ted was supposed to be in a van oh, because they're a band. Okay, that would make but sense. But 
they started production on that movie before Back to the Future, but didn't finish finish until after Back to the Future. Okay. And then the producer said, that's pretty close to that other car. Too similar. We got to change that. Yeah. So they used the phone booth. And the phone booth might be a nod to good old Doctor Who and the TARDIS. Well, there you go. And the thing about the reason why it's decidedly different is because the TARDIS is bigger on the inside. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so let, I'm let's gonna, take I'll, that. I'll, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you in 2018. We'll see who gets there first. I'm going to take the TARDIS. You take the, what'd you say? Phone you're going to take the- I don't know what they call it. You're going to take the phone. Okay. You, well, you got the phone booth. You have the Back to the Future- DeLorean. Uh, DeLorean. Thank you. Um, what other time travel devices are, are, are there? Um, the How one I from, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to take the phone booth. You take the Taurus okay. or whatever, and, uh, yeah. we'll meet you there in 2000, right. December of 2018. I'm going to take the TARDIS and I'll see you in 2018. All right. See Bye. you there. My first pick is Snow Day was supposed to be an Adventures of Pete and Pete full length movie. Yeah. That's pretty big. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to imagine the universe that we would have lived in if that if that came to if fruition. If that actually happened. Yeah. I think a lot of things would happen. Pos- I don't think we would go to war um, in Iraq. <laughs> I don't think George W. Bush would be our president at that yeah. time. A we'd lot probably, would have we'd, happened We'd probably world. still be wearing flannel and stuff like that. Hey, you know um, what? A lot of people are, so maybe they're living in a different parallel uni- universe yeah. or something. <laughs> so close to the end of the third and final season of The Adventures of Pete and Pete, Writers Will McRobb and Chris Viscard were pitching like a full-length movie idea to Nickelodeon. And uh, this original script actually closely resembles the action movie that we see today. But, it, of course, the characters were obviously changed and some were added. So just a little bit of history as to why it never happened. Okay, McRobb and Viscardi had a lot of trouble getting just the third season of The Adventures of Pete and Pete greenlit because they had really low ratings at the time uh, because at the time the Ren and Stimpy show and the secret world of Alex Mack was pretty much taking the lead that's such trash to me to think that the secret world of Alex Mack was more popular than Pete Pete yeah looking back on it it's like are you fucking kidding me how is that even possible it's just a full shows of that like Capri Sun commercial where they turn into <laughs> silver liquid and they float around and stuff like that so it's, it's just a 30 minute long Capri Sun commercial Alex Mack is trash <laughs> I know I mean I can kind of understand the the Ren and Stimpy show and everything but yeah that's Still, it, it blows my mind. However, the show was eventually greenlit, knowing that this would probably be the last and final season of the show. However, McRobb and Viscardi had something planned to either help revamp the show or end the series on a high note with a full-length feature. So, in 1995, they pitched the script to the executives at Nickelodeon, and they seemed to be really on board with it. But that same year, the company had a major shift. So Viacom had people who left or retired and people have moved up or outside source people came in. So it caused a lot of projects to be shelved, including the Pete and Pete movie. So the series ended and everyone went their separate ways until the script was resurfaced four years later. So this is 1999. Mm-hmm. Nickelodeon was in the midst of creating their own movies and their own content to put into theaters, and they found this script to be perfect for the next feature film. Yeah. So McRobb and Viscardi were both called in to help push the script forward. They were actually wanting to keep all the cast members from The Adventures of Pete and Pete, but unfortunately, they found the actors to be too old for their roles, and they really thought it'd be a weird uh, year gap in between so they're like ah we don't know if it's the vibe that we're wanting so they had to rewrite the script adding new characters they did leave some amazing characters and actors from the series including Iggy Pop who played known as dad and he he plays basically kind of the same character he was in Pete and Pete as well which is cool (laughs) I love that Chris Elliott of course who actually played the meaner man in the adventures of Pete and Pete and uh, Damian Young, who played Bus Driver Stu, and he plays like the most hated principal yeah, <laughs> in, they, they, in Snow Day. They just beat the living <laughs> shit out of this guy. Um, but also, <laughs> even though he, now that he's not in a bus, he's still like the same character. You know? I agree. Yes, yeah. So as much as I wish this was the Adventures of Pete and Pete movie, I'm actually pretty happy that they kept the quirkiness of the series and had a lot of similarities of the characters. 
you know, Hal kind of being Big Pete. Natalie, as you said before, is Little Pete. Lane, which is Hal's friend, that's a girl, but they're not a girlfriend, is pretty much portraying Ellen, and, and so on and so on, which we're definitely going to talk a lot about this, and this is the main reason why um, we're saying that we're, we're leading with this factoid. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna reference this quite a lot because it's it's kind of what make what separates this film from other Nickelodeon original films like Good Burger and, and shit like that. Absolutely, um, it's that's the big ultimate separator. So, yep. um, like you said, it's kind of good that it it's not a Pete and Pete film because by the time this came out, you know it's not Pete and Pete anymore. They're so much older. The, the, mm-hmm. you know, things have changed and also changed. think things happen when it, you know, the production of a film compared to the production of television. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they had to, they wouldn't have had so much of that great soundtrack that we know from Pete and Pete by, by That's Polaris true, and by stuff. Polaris, yep. Cause then you get into like marketing and shit and some guy in a suit is like, this needs more pop songs that the kids like, you know? And, yeah. Then it's got to go jump it, through so many hoops yeah. and it would have changed the dynamic of the show. And it's, yeah. so I'm, I'm glad that they were still able to keep that quirkiness and, you know, have some of the similarities of, yeah. of the characters. You definitely, the you definitely feel like you're watching, something in the Pete and Pete universe when you watch this, this movie, you know? We're going to talk a lot more about this throughout the rest of this episode. Yeah, it's going to be hard to avoid that. Uh, yep. But um, I think that's great. I think that's a perfect place to start. I agree. So we're, we're sort of doing a very loose list, you know, things in the film that we like, things, our memories of this and that, whatever. So my first pick is, is, is just a little bit of my personal how I first saw this film, and actually, uh, I wanted to make my first note that I, I saw this actually in the theater on my birthday uh, <laughs> with with a bunch of friends. And uh, perfect. So back then, like that was sort of a, a an interesting thing. It's like kids would sort of uh, co- copy each other's birthday party ideas, kind of thing. Like okay. so if somebody, I don't know, it was weird. Like in late elementary school, if somebody had like a popular birthday party. Um, a bunch of other people would sort of have that this the same kind for their birthday, you know. Well, like I remember fourth grade was sort of the year of the uh, the indoor swimming pool party, <laughs> and uh, there was one good one, and then everybody else had one, and then uh, so that was the same thing. So this year, uh, the the movie theater was a was a big one, and uh, I got to go to uh, some birthday parties to see Rush Hour, you know, it was one of them. <laughs> so uh, when my birthday came around, is my birthday's in March. Um, I, uh, this was still in theaters, this came out in February, mm-hmm. but this was still in, so we all went to see that, and I, uh, yeah, I have a really great memory of, uh, of watching that, and I think that's why a bit of it is really stuck in my head so deep, uh, okay. like certain people in, in the film, and, and faces, and characters, and, and little bits of the story, uh, because yeah. it, was, it was in such a memorable, you know, time scene. Time, yeah. yes. How old did you turn in 2000? That would, you'd be like 11? I was in fifth grade, so... Uh, okay. Fifth or fourth grade. You're 89, correct? Yeah, yeah, 89. So you would be, yeah, 11. What year What year were you born? I can't remember. 89, 89. as well. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I was turning 11. Uh, it's like a, a funny memory of like... Uh, you know, I was there with my dad and like some friends and stuff like that. And like, uh, mm-hmm. there's a scene uh, where the youngest son of the family who we didn't mention in the cast because he's like practically a baby. Um, yeah, but he is like hitting his, he's like sucking at his mom with a vacuum. And at one point he <laughs> yes. likes, he's like kind of, kind of like going at her area. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> yes. I remember, I remember, uh, I remember turning to a friend and, and putting up the devil horns. Really? You're yeah. like, Metal. Yeah, that's pretty metal. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to start with a. My first pick is just a story. Uh, that's perfect. Of my nice, easy softball to get into it because, like I said, I I, I liked this movie, uh, and it and it's and it's good and it ages well. But I also want to be able to take off the rose colored nostalgia glasses sure. and stuff. And that's a good but, way uh, to do that, and it's a good way to actually explain yeah. the reason why you're wearing them in the first place. Exactly. The next one on my list is Chevy Chase himself. Yep. <laughs> so first off, I just love the fact that Chevy Chase is in this because I don't know, there's just something so damn appealing of him playing a weatherman. 
Yeah. I don't know what, what it is. Like, I would watch the news just to see Chevy Chase as a as a meteorologist that just sounds great to me. it's weird that like the one of the main story arcs of this film is that his channel doesn't get good ratings mm-hmm. you know because it's like <laughs> and so he's trying to up the ratings by wearing weird outfits yeah. like uh i think he was wearing like a hawaiian get up and yeah. then he was had like a pool attire on one time it's <laughs> it were hey, they, they, in in mexican meteorology they have uh some channels where the the women strip. So really? Yeah. So. Just so you can get more viewers. Yeah. So it works, I guess. Interesting. I guess so. Maybe Chevy Chase should have stripped to get higher ratings. Well, you know, at this point people, <laughs> people had already turned their, the other cheek on, on Chevy Chase. So maybe, you know, cause you always hear those rumors that he's like an asshole in real life. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's why his ratings were so low. Maybe. Anyway. So Chevy Chase said during his interview on the Rosie O'Donnell show, that his experience on set of snow day was fun but it was incredibly cold throughout the entire shoot. Yeah. Because, you know, like, they, they shot up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Like, it was, like, dead of winter, so it was freezing because they were trying to get, you know, the best setting as they can because the movie about a snow day. Yeah. To top it all off, it did not snow the amount that they were looking for on set, so they had to create their own snow throughout production, making it feel and look even colder on set. So I can only imagine how cold it got during the night mm-hmm. shoots where they had quite a few night shoots. So it sounded like Chevy Chase really did not um, enjoy himself. I think he was being very sarcastic during his interview. And I think a lot of people saw that because the mayor of the town that they shot at actually wrote to the Rosie O'Donnell show expressing the annoyance of the entire town folk during the entire shoot. So apparently the small, quiet town became a chaotic mess when Hollywood plowed, literally, through town, upsetting almost all the citizens in the process. See, you know, that's that's it's, I'm glad that you brought this up. I'm glad you brought this section up because I read this, and this is sort of like a weird uh, little piece of history with this movie that mm-hmm. I don't really know what the right answer is because... Um, you know, I, I, I saw that Chevy Chase goes on Rosie O'Donnell and he says like, it was freezing. I didn't have a good time making the movie. And then there's yeah. the thing about the, you know, the mayor followed up with that. But one of the mm-hmm. things that came out was like the, the mayor and a bunch of the other cast came out after that interview and said, um, actually it was like 55 degrees the whole time. And we had to, yeah, it was like kind of war- unseasonably warm and we had to <laughs> make all this fake snow. So I don't know what he's complaining so much about. I did not read that. I kind of wish I went a little bit more in depth in my research there. I didn't realize it was that warm. You know, it did not look that way on film. No, they did really good with it. And obviously, yeah. it's going to be colder in the night shots, too. Yes. There, another thing with Chevy Chase, it's like, I watched this interview with uh, all the kids in the film, like, promoting the film when it was coming out. And mm-hmm. Josh Peck was like, um, it, it was his first movie. And he was, and he's really, uh, he's pretty young in this movie, but especially when you see how he talks when he's not acting, you're like, oh, he's, he's a little kid. He's still, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was like, uh, I got to work with Chevy Chase and he, he has a really strong arm. He kept hitting all us kids with snowballs <laughs> when they're in the filming. So like, it's really fun. Cause like people don't like, I can definitely see uh, him doing that. People don't like Chevy Chase in real life. So it's fun to think about him, like actually like whipping snowballs hard at kids on the set of a film. <laughs> Uh, That's pretty rad. (laughs) Well, overall, I'm not saying that Chevy Chase was like the saving grace of this film because really the kids are the saving grace of this film. But Chevy Chase really just added that extra element that really pushed the film over the edge for me. Yeah. Like he didn't play a a big role. And you could definitely tell like when he's delivering his lines, it's just kind of like half-assing it. But this is where majority of the film's money went to just for yeah. just to have his face in the film. I'm glad you said that because he didn't put the film over the edge. Um, as far as like his performance, you know, like the way, uh-huh. you know, like the way Tim Curry does when he's in a film, he gives it 110%. Sure. He, he's definitely Chevy chase definitely seems tired as hell yes. throughout filming throughout this, all of it, but, yes. but his presence puts it over the edge. Cause like it's Christmas vacation, man. And it's actually chock full of a few Christmas vacation references in the scenes he's in too. So it's, it's, yeah. it's worth watching. <laughs> You're right. Next on my list is something I want to talk about a little bit was Hal's plan, um, to attract Claire. 
<laughs> which is absolutely absurd. <laughs> yeah, it, it's bonkers. It was bonkers, and and like even it's almost cringy actually because this, okay, all right. So here's here's why I opened with saying such a light point in my previous point where I said, oh, my first point is that I went and saw it on my birthday because I do like this film, but here's me taking off the nostalgia rose-colored okay. glasses. You're officially um, taking them off. Okay. He, Hal, okay, Hal is thinking he's going to waste his whole snow day chasing down this girl who is, like, the most popular girl in the town and apparently, like, maybe even the state because, you know, there's a, there's a whole group of men outside of her house, like... Yes. Pick me, Claire. Pick me, Claire. Shouting her um, name. He's trying to get her attention. So, yes. <laughs> yes. But he's never spoken to her before. Hal has never spoken to Claire before. Yeah. I think you should preface this by he's obsessed with her and still has yet to talk to he's her. He's problematically obsessed with her. This is like yes. a character that like should maybe be in jail or something if he was a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, it, it's really, it's not, that's, that's, that's the reason why he's not the main character in my eyes because I don't okay. sympathize with him. I don't think like, I hope he wins her. I'm like, you're, you're a fucking creep. Yeah. And you're still heading over heels for somebody you do not know. Let's kind of break down the list of like what he does yeah. to get her attention. Yeah. When, okay. So when he wants to get her, her attention, he, he has found her bracelet cause she's a swimmer. So he found her, her ankle bracelet at the swimming pool and he thinks that's going to be the big thing to like pull her over. So, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. He finds out by looking through a window with a bunch of other men <laughs> looking through a window that she watches his dad's TV station. So he mm-hmm. goes over to his dad and he hijacks that and he says, Claire, you don't know me, but it's a snow day and anything can happen. Right. It's like, you fucking weird idiot. Um, yes. And like uh, her ex-boyfriend would say, I think they had broken up that day or the day yeah, before. So That's the reason why all the men were, were after her was watching the same TV station and, and saw this. So obviously he's going to get his ass kicked. And then, uh, so he still hasn't spoken to her in person. He's never spoken to her before. She doesn't even know he exists before he called her mm-hmm. on TV. And then she's ice skating and he hijacked, you know, with the help of his friend. By the way, we'll go into that relationship. He's a more fucking idiot. Um, yes. But he, uh, he, he hijacks the radio station and he gets over the speaker. He says, this, you know, like some kind of bullshit that you see, like, this is for a very special girl, Claire. And he puts it on. And it's like, she's still never spoken to you face to face. Yeah, she does not know who you are. I mean, he, he his last big thing that he planned was the bracelet that he, ankle bracelet he found of hers at the pool had a, a whale on it. Mm-hmm. And so he goes into a big field that's still covered in snow and he digs out the, the silhouette <laughs> of a whale that's like 50 feet across. It's huge. And he's going to show it to her. What is... What? Why would you spend your entire day doing that? I, that's, that's, that's me taking off the, the rose-colored glasses because I don't sympathize for him at all. I, I don't know if I'm me supposed neither. to, actually. I don't know if I'm... I don't know either. Maybe, it's confusing. Maybe we're... Because you know what? This, it, this is written by really competent people who have, as we know, we talked about Pete and Pete stuff, have given us mm-hmm. really good stuff. Maybe we're not supposed to feel sympathy for him. Uh, and, and yeah. maybe we're supposed Could to, be right. maybe we're, cause like, all right, he's spoiler alert for this, this, this 20 year old Nick Lodi movie. <laughs> he's the girl lane is his friend. Who's a girl who follows him around through the whole film and helps him through all these weird missions to get Claire's attention. And so obviously from the beginning of the film, you're like, come on, dude, it's lane. She's Lane's the one you, for you. Dude. Come on. Come on. Come on. So yeah. maybe you're not supposed to think that. You know, you're sympathetic for him and his his thing for Claire or whatever. But I don't know. I just thought like it was worth outlining. Okay. It's 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 a good point. It's a good point, and it's I'm gonna kind of tie it back with the Adventures of Pete and Pete because I see Big Pete um, completely blowing off Little Pete to run after a girl. Yeah, that he doesn't really truly know, but thinks there could be um, some sort of relationship because he's attracted to her. Yeah, so I could definitely kind of see that in the light of the adventures of Pete and Pete, but then also kind of fell flat as the movie progressed. Yeah. Because at the end you finally realize, okay, he's made the connection finally, that just like how Big Pete would, that he's more into his friend Lane that that knows actually knows everything about rather than this gorgeous looking Claire girl. Yeah. So so, so much of the movie is spent on his his trials and tribulations to to yes. get Claire's attention and I don't 
feel for him or sympathize with him through any of it because one you see lane and you're like instant like within the first 30 seconds of the film you go oh lane lane's the one like yeah, she's the pull one. your head out yeah. your ass and then you're watching him do this shit the whole time and you're not like oh i hope he gets her you're kind of like dude know, stop like, stop um so that's <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of a whole thing actually w- with that being said the, the film is kind of like a mix of two um, Pete and Pete episodes, a mix of a couple Pete and Pete episodes, but it reminds me a bit mm-hmm. of the Halloweenies episode because, yes. you know, um, his little sister is like, you know, this is it. We talked about this for years. We're going to make it so we have yeah. two, you know. Same thing with that Halloweenies episode. Little Pete is like, this, we're going to hit every Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yes. yes. And, um, and so it reminds me a lot about that. I could not mention that, like, you know, rewatching this film. I didn't think about that at all as a kid when I saw it in theaters, but like rewatching that, I was like, this. Dude, is, I don't know if he's supposed to be making me cringe, but like he's he's making me cringe. Yes, um, it's thrown in your face. I'd love to know if that was on purpose or not. Maybe we'll find out. We'll write Will yeah. and Chris. Yeah. Right. My next pick is the Snowplow Fort. Yeah. Oh. Now let me set the scene here, okay? Especially for those who have a vague memory of this of this film. So, we find Hell's sister, Natalie, walking up this huge pile of snow. It's like a snow mountain. And she's carrying what appears to be like a a beanbag chair or something. And you also notice that there's like an odd orange cable running uh, alongside her up into the mound. And then once she gets to the top, she jumps. And you're like, what, is she jumping off off of this snow mountain or something? But she's actually jumping into a slide which reveals this amazing snow fort. Hell yeah. Ugh. Now, this snow fort is fully equipped with everything you'll need in 2000. It had string lights, a stack of comic books, a TV set, a video game console, which, I don't know, I, I couldn't really tell. It, it seemed like N64 graphics. It, looked, it, could, it could have been a Dreamcast or N64. Could have been. One of those two. Well, we'll go with Dreamcast. Yeah. I think Dreamcast is fun for this film. They also had a lava lamp, spy equipment, a bunch of toys, and it was even equipped with an emergency exit slide. Yeah, uh, we've all we've all dreamed <laughs> How about. Amazing is this man? We've all dreamed about making this snow fort for ourselves. You know, <laughs> I know. Like, I think that was the first thing that appealed to me with this film. It was just watching her walk up this hill and sliding down into this fort, and I instantly looked to my brother and I'm like, "We've got to build this. Yeah, like this is what we need. So we're we're gonna hope we have a snow day so we can do so." And this is actually something that all my siblings wanted to do for many of winters. And we did finally get a chance. Okay. We finally got a chance to do it. My neighbor had a huge pile of snow at the bottom of their huge uh, driveway. And they really didn't care like what we did with the snow. So we started building and we started digging. And we spent like an entire day doing this. And we're finally starting to form our, our fort. But, you know, the next day we had to go to school and then over that day, things started to melt. And within a few days, it was just gone. Yeah. Nothing you could do about that. You know, Frosty the Snowman yeah. story right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We just got to find that magical hat so we can make the snow yeah. fort again. <laughs> Have you ever made a snow fort or anything like an igloo or anything like that? Uh, the neighborhood kids um, on my block one year, we all sort of worked together. There was a huge, I think it was... Over here in New Jersey in 1996, we had there was a blizzard of 96, and it was like record-setting mm-hmm. snow. And um, I can't, I actually should have looked up how much it was because I would have thought realized I would have brought it up. But yeah, 96 there was record-setting snow. It was over a lot of people's heads. Um, mm-hmm. And so when the plows came, it got even higher, and it oh, and gosh. it was compact, so you could yes. dig into it and make dig like through. tunnels yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. So. The na- neighborhood kids in '96 built basically this whole system of of tunnels and and caverns going from house to house. No way! Yeah, it was it was really like elaborate and cool. Um, wow. And then we all started. It started. The snow started. Uh, it started getting warmer, and the snow mm-hmm. was heavy and wet. And then everybody, you know, was told to stay out of there in case like a giant oh, the roof yeah, caved in or something suck. but uh yeah when when it was going like you know that first night i remember when it was all the snow you know froze over and there was all these elaborate tunnels going from people's house into house to front <laughs> i was like man this is cool as hell 
Uh, yeah, it's very magical. So that we didn't have like a fort, but it was very much in that style. Something similar. Yeah. I kind of prefer prefer that. Yeah. But I will tell you, even to this day, when I see a large pile of snow, I think I could definitely make that snow fort. Yeah. Um, Give me a shovel and about four hours, and I can make that happen. I wonder. I wonder why, though. I mean, you know the the whole thing is is like with a snow with playing in the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on, they're doing inside activities out in the snow. Yeah, you know they're just sitting and playing video games. You know, isn't it so much more fun to do any other go out and yeah, play? Uh, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like forts are rad in general. Yeah. You know, especially being a kid, I had a couple forts and they were just, you know, your own domain. But just the thought of creating your own fort out of snow and just hanging out inside is just so appealing. Even to me now, like, it's it's very appealing. You just get a hot box in it, too. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Snow day! My next pick is just going to be sort of outlining the the weight of the relationship between Hal and Natalie. Okay. Um, I thought that was my my favorite part of the film. It was the part that was the most poignant to me, and it was the most emotional. I mean, it kind of, you know, every character in the film has an arc, as, as I mentioned earlier in the film. So it follows. There's the dad, who's played by Chevy Chase, and he uh, is fighting for ratings on his TV show. The mom is working too much and forgetting about her family. Um, mm-hmm. the sister has her own arc. Natalie has her own arc, which is she wants there to be a second snow day. So she's got to beat Snowplow Man. So she has a uh, mission. We talked about Hal and his cringy fucking ass is trying to <laughs> attract this girl. Everybody has a good story arc, but my favorite story arc is, you know, the merging of, of Hal and Natalie because I, uh, I, it's very poignant to me and it actually made me really like, it actually made me choke up a bit in the, in the third act. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just, subjective because I've been there, you know, I, I have a, a sister that's 10 years younger than me. So I've lived, mm-hmm. I lived an exact relationship being, being, you know, when we're both young, like I was like 12, 13 and, and she was like two and three and hanging out all the time. And then when I got a little bit older than that, I was like, just thinking about, I want to do my own thing and skateboarding and stay with yeah, you and stuff like that. You had your own personality, you had your own things. Yeah. yeah. And only what, and so like kind of separate that way. And there is, it was very like kind of, it bummed me out a bit and, and in a, not in a bad way. Cause like it, you're supposed to feel that, I guess, when you're sure. watching this film is like, uh, you know, when she, she wants to go through with their snow day plans and he's sort of like, well, I'm older now. I got stuff to do. You know, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> you know, any, any, and, he, and, he, and I, I felt that to be like really, really strong and emotional point of the film. And, um, I agree. I, I, uh, I, I, I don't know if that's that poignant for everyone. Uh, it is. Yeah. And, and I, honestly, it, it felt the same way, especially at the third act. And I'm going to go back to the adventures of Pete and Pete with this one because their relationship really did mirror, uh, Pete and Pete's relationship because older Pete, was you know it was kind of a coming of age he wanted to do his own thing he wanted to explore and, and experience new things so he was doing um untraditional things like going against uh, his views that he had with little pete especially uh, throughout their their childhood and uh, this is uh, really highlighted here in snow day because you know they Ha- um, Natalie has the idea to have a second second snow day and needs the help from his big brother because she knows that with their uh, forces combined, they can make that happen. But Hal is wanting to do his own thing because he is so obsessed with his girl. Like his hormones kind of take yeah. the best of him. So, but at, you know, at the end of the film, they ended up teaming up and they made it happen. They made their, their mission come true. Just like majority of the adventures of Pete and Pete episodes. Yeah. They ended up uh, either big Pete realizes like, I am falling back on what I actually truly believe. Yeah. And once he goes back, they actually are very successful together. It was touching. It really, it actually was genuinely touching to me. I agree. Yes. Parts of this film were like, I had to take the glasses off. Like I said, it was like, what the fuck is going on? But there was, I was like, wow, that's (laughs) genuinely touching. They really thought about that. And you know, Mm -hmm. how that concludes is, uh, they, 
Natalie, you know, hijacks the snowplow truck and reverses throughout the town, undoing the, which actually, like, wouldn't work. No, but I love the idea. She just reverses the truck through town and and undoes all the plowing. And, you know, she crosses paths. During her process of doing that, she crosses paths with um, Hal. Mm -hmm. And she kind of says, like, I did this without you. I didn't even need you. And uh, that's the point where he realizes, like, oh, I should try to be a better brother and stuff like that. It's it it's it reminds me a lot of the relationship between um, Max and Danny and Hocus Pocus. You know, Uh, it's it's very similar. Like he's too old and too cool, and he's got things in his mind and girls and stuff like that. And um, but he said it's actually there's this one one point in the movie that really garnered like this huge spectrum spectrum of emotional reactions for me was like, mm-hmm. so when they, they meet up and he realizes, you know, uh, maybe I should be a better older brother or something like that. And he says to her like, Hey, um, since we have another snow day tomorrow, you think you want to hang out tomorrow? And she just kind of smiles and waves. And like that actually like I that made that. me tear up a bit. I actually. love that. Yes. But then it was funny. Cause I, I watching that I actually teared up. But then she started reversing in the snowplow, and I'm like, she just stole a fucking snowplow, and you're just gonna let her go? So, like, in the same moment, I teared up and I went, what the fuck? Like, I wait a second. (laughs) It was like really two ends of the spectrum that I felt in that scene. But yeah, that's their their relationship is my favorite part of the film. Um, It it, it relates to, I relate to it personally, and I feel like even if you Mm -hmm. don't, it's still very like poignant and emotional and and cool. And in fact, in fact, like, the big payoff of the film is when he realizes that uh, his best friend is the girl that he should be going after. And yeah. like, but for me, the way bigger payoff was him realizing that he should be a better older brother, Natalie. Um, yep. But you know, uh, different strokes for different folks. That, that was my favorite part of the film. So my second to last pick here, Jamie. Yeah. Is how's radical action figures yeah dude <laughs> yeah. so for those who may not know what i'm talking about hal owns these rad i guess they're rare action figures that he had in this like really cool display case in his room and they're apparently from the tv series maltar which definitely sounds like a he-man storyline yeah. right yeah they uh well they they're the figures are based off of he-man and and thundercats uh, they're sure, supposed yeah. to look like some combination of the two, and actually, as a matter I of fact, no, it kind of seemed like it was a mashup between like Tekken and Street Fighter characters. Well, they were supposed to be vintage and collectible, and this yes. was in ninety nine two thousand. So you presume that they're a little bit older. So it would be in the early eighties. Yeah, I know what figures they're made out of, but I'll I'll let you go and I'll add that towards the end. Okay, that sounds good. So these figures were designed and sculpted by the infamous special effects artist Chris Bridges. Yeah. Do you recognize this name? Uh, I can't say I do, honestly. That's okay. He did some work on Blade 2, Saw 3 and 4, that uh, Dawn of the Dead remake, 300. That's just to name a few. So he has worked on some pretty big budget films. So long story short, Natalie and her friends are trying to stop the evil snowplow man from plowing their town. So they get a second snow day, as you said before. And after many failed attempts, Natalie is kind of just thrown in the towel. And you see Natalie going into Hal's room to put uh, Moltar away because that's kind of like her companion when uh, Hal is not there. Moltar and the rest of the gang that's in the display case somehow magically comes to life, giving Natalie a word of encouragement to help complete her mission. You remember this part? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And it almost made me like, at this point, like I was wondering, I was like, I realized I was overanalyzing at that point because I was like, is Natalie a psychopath? Is this not happening at all? And she said, it's something, it's something deeper about Natalie here. (laughs) So this scene definitely incorporates stop motion with the toys, which definitely reminds me of Action League Now. Yeah. From Kaplan. Oh yeah, definitely. I I used to make my own uh, Action League movies, but my hands were in the shot and everything like that. It wasn't wasn't stop motion at all. I was just filming myself playing with toys. Do you still own those? I do. Actually, yes. Uh, Oh, dude, I want to see them. (laughs) My grandmother has a big collection of VHS tapes from family events and stuff like that. And Uh every Thanksgiving or Christmas or something, people start breaking them out and putting them in the VCR. Awesome. And they'd get to those. And I'm like, can you guys turn this off? Really? You're embarrassed? (laughs) 
This is just me playing with toys. Can you please? Because I'm being like super serious <laughs> too. Forward. I'm not trying to be funny. Like I'm trying to make like a super <laughs> space opera. And uh, oh, man. so I've actually I've got so sick of that. I, when I was now I don't care because I'm like. They're yeah. going to be fucking 30, so I don't care. But when I was, like, 16 and that was happening, I would get so irked by it that I actually hijacked all the tapes so it wouldn't happen. Really? Yeah, when no one was looking, I took them all. So I have them all, all my okay. all my movies, but whatever, yeah. We should digitalize that because I want, I want to watch that. Uh, yeah. Actually, I was I wanted to uh, expand on the action figures, too. So when I saw that you picked that one as one of your options, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, they just really stood out to me. I don't know why. I'm, I'm a sucker for action figures yeah. and... The these in particular, their design work is pretty well done, and I really like the rad display case that's that they're kept in in house room. Yeah, we we never. I mean, we haven't really talked about anything on the podcast that would have given me an opportunity to bring it up. But like, I'm a big action figure collector and big action figure mm-hmm. guy uh, to this day, especially when I was a kid. But even to this day, I still like keep you know I'll go out hunting for stuff and keep things mint on card and stuff. Um, yeah, so that like. That was big for me just to be – anytime I see an action figure in a movie, I'm, like, trying to figure out what it is and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. so when I was a kid, I, I wanted to figure out what toys they were because um, I thought that maybe they were, like, an actual line or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, they were just – they are just supposed to look like Masters of the Universe. And, and uh, yeah, you could you could much. tell that way because she does the – she holds her hand up, like, the way mm-hmm. he holds the power sword in Masters of the Universe. She says uh, – yeah. Listen to the wind in the same. It's definitely an homage to yeah. Hey, in the same in the same cadence as he says, you know, I have the power. Yep. Uh, so it's definitely supposed to be He Man. Um, but a lot of those pieces. So the guy who you what was the effects artist? He, uh, I I recognize a few of those pieces. Like having a few, um, not all of them, but uh, being like an action figure collector. Collector. He he didn't make it from scratch. He like probably resin casted a few pieces. Took him, yeah. Uh, because some of them are that old. Uh, Toy Biz X Men line, yes, uh, from the nineties. Uh, there's one. There's one character. I think he's like a some a bear of some kind on the shelf. Uh, yeah, that's that's a an X Men Toy Biz figure. That's like they put a new head on it and repainted it. Um, oh yes, I know which one you're yeah. talking about. So, yes, uh, but no, I love those. And as yeah, a matter of fact, like, it's weirdly um, something that was a big part of the movie for me. And and because I, uh, as a kid, another thing too, like uh, action figures were always a big part of snow days for me. Mm-hmm. Um, as growing up, I would, I kind of played this like weird game that like I would wake up and when I saw there was snow, I would like throw a bunch out the window from my room upstairs and have them like sink into the snow. And then the game I would play would be sort of like I was going on like a rescue mission or something like that. So, That's you know, fun. equating <laughs> action figures to snow days and, and masters of the universe. And I, yeah, it was right in my alley. It's a good part of the film. It yeah. all ties in for you. Yeah. So the most important thing about this pick for me is just, I love how the action figures play like a superhero figure for the kids. Kind of like how Artie, the strongest man in the world did for little Pete. And and on that note, I I digress about these action figures. Snow days! My next to last pick is the uh well I just kinda wanted to um talk about the soundtrack a bit and my mm-hmm. personal memories and how that this is a big thing that separates it from the Pete and Pete the adventures of Pete and Pete. Definitely. But anyway, here's a personal memory with the the soundtrack. The the big hit of the of the soundtrack is uh, another dumb blonde. It's called yes. And uh, one of the time, one of these times, we were driving. Uh, my wife and I were driving to before she was my wife. We were driving to Salem, Massachusetts, from from our our home in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, we got stuck behind an exploded pasta truck. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, there was there was a we were we were just in like eight hour like an incredible amount of traffic for hours and hours and hours and we were sort of looping this uh soundtrack and you know she was letting she was telling me how much she loved this single another dumb blonde back when she was that age Mm -hmm. which is funny because like you know i watched this movie but like being a boy i didn't think about the soundtrack that song or the soundtrack at all but yeah you know she she spent a lot of time on that single uh, on on the uh in this soundtrack so we we listened to that song like quite a few times while we were in traffic and um when we got up to the accident, yeah, it was a it was an exploded pasta truck in the road, and there was pa- there was pasta rigato- everywhere. There was rigatoni everywhere. Um, <laughs> As another dumb blonde by Hoku was playing. Yeah, so so I do. I mean, and 
I don't know. I, I, I'm going to contradict myself here because I, I don't know exactly how I feel about the soundtrack. And that's, and that's sort of why I want to bring it up because I, I really feel multiple ways about it here. Um, why is in that? One, in one sense, I'll give you the positive first is that it's, it's very of its time. Oh yeah. So, and that could, and that is exactly, that's what's wrong with it. And that's what's right with it. That's, okay. you know, the thing that makes it good and bad is that it is absolutely the year 1999, the year 2000. Yes. It is, it is everything. <laughs> it's everything that sucked about those years. Um, but it's also everything that was kind of fun and like, you know, it, it's the big driving force that made this, if this show is lesser than Pete and Pete, um, which you can argue for or against, the soundtrack is is what makes it lesser. Yeah, um, I agree. 100%. This, this soundtrack can benefit from 400% less Smash Mouth, um, <laughs> yeah, in like my opinion. There's like four or five Smash yeah, Mouth songs uh, on the soundtrack. No, because you know what happens? It's like it 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 really, like what we were talking about before and how um, Polaris, who is a band that was formed out of members of Miracle League mm-hmm. to make the, the soundtrack for Pete and Pete, they make this sort of really weird, jangly sort of smith's kind of timeless music like indie all yeah rock yeah or and yeah. and it can exist behind a scene without pulling you out of the scene but it could also be kind of a good song too yeah and you know so there's a part where um where um how i don't know he, he he starts to discover that maybe he uh should be going for his best friend rather than this this girl that everybody loves so much mm-hmm. and the the best friend is kind of like upset with him at this point that it took him that long so she's starting to walk away from him and like this really just terrible 1998 1999 R&B songs like oh <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah it's like it takes you out of yeah it. you're like this sucks this is 1998 yes. this is 1999 this is the worst and like there's you know the song like uh, I mean if you're if you haven't dug deep into the uh, the music made for the adventures of Pete and Pete like there are songs that would go right there and make that scene so much know, better yeah yeah almost like um, iconic you know yeah like I almost want to recut this film with with <laughs> rescore it uh, with yeah I want to put the the new score and I want to take all the soundtrack out and put in polaris because i think that's kind of the thing that that pulls you away from it and yeah every you know i don't know man i i i really liked smash mouth in fifth grade but there's something about them now that just when i hear them i get pulled out of anything i'm involved yeah. in and and there's always some douchebag who wants to tell you like oh actually their first album's like a scott album and it's really good it's like, i, I, I don't <laughs> want to know about that i don't want to just stop it i know and then um, like the rest of the soundtrack consists of like lfo the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, the Hippos, yeah. Boyzone, yeah. even 98 Degrees. Like, it, I feel like it goes kind of downhill. Yeah, it's 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 very late 90s. Um, You're really making me lean to the side to dislike this soundtrack. Yeah, and I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't trying to convince you, but it's just it's one of those things that. Um, but that's what it is. That's that's why film in in a big studio and. Or, or a studio that's owned by a bigger production company and stuff like that. It just art kind of gets lost in marketing yeah. because you got some guy in a suit who's like, "No, we need this song and we need this and we need this," and you know, it they, you get stuck with something that's really of its time, um, mm-hmm. and 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 sometimes that's a good thing and other times that's a bad thing. Like I don't know, I don't I don't necessarily need well, to hear in, in this enough. case. What do you think? Is it good or bad? This is the final verdict. Um, gosh, there were, there, when we become as a society, openly nostalgic about the early two thousands, we're going to love this soundtrack. Um, but we're not there yet. So it's, it's like still kind of ugly and pulls you out of it a bit and awkward. I'm going to say it's awkward. That's the way I would describe the soundtrack. It's It's awkward. awkward. Yeah. Um, it's really awkward and there's a lot of times where there are scenes that should be really emotional and I get pulled out of them because they just put like some another really smash mouth. Yeah. Song like, Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Come on. Um, come on. Like, exactly. What are you doing? They're making yeah. out. Please, please. <laughs> well, very interesting point, man. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up and I highly encourage you to just check out the soundtrack. Even if you haven't seen the film, 
I would definitely just how awkward it is for yourself. Also, judging by the way that nostalgia works, like you know, it's the year right right now. It's it's a uh, 2018 going on 2019. Everybody's pretty pumped on like mid 90s nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So in a couple years, when we're all pumped on 2000s nostalgia, this this will be, be really cool. This. Yeah, people will be really excited about this. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this rerun episode. Uh, we'll be back to our regular content at the beginning of February. Jamie and I cannot wait to share all that new nostalgic topics they're recovering on the remainder of this season. Oh, hey, man. Sorry. I just got here. I, I took the TARDIS. I was, it was a little bit later. Oh. What did you take to get back? <laughs> all right. Well, they know. They, they've heard it. It's no big deal. You can catch it in the, the replay, okay? <laughs> did I miss the outro? You did. You did. It's okay. We're Well, anyway... Uh, until next time, be kind. I guess rewind. I don't know. And okay, well, you will rewind, and then we'll all stay. Bogus. Y'all should know this. Forever bogus. Y'all should know this. Forever bogus. Y'all should know this. This be the best podcast in the universe. We got the host, Rash Shoemaker. Nothing like they both candy bars, any takers, and Arsenal of VHS tapes. I'm feeling really great. I'm hoping y'all great. Flea markets. Yes, one for a nickel. Complain about Rwanda sounding like Angelica Pickles. Watching P&P, maybe Malcolm in the middle. Sail on Gary the Snail. Mr. McNeely, I hope one of these days you can bring me my mail. E-count, Shakula, you Hoover, Oda, Pale Ales. You want doper than diamonds, I got my bling with sales. Thinking I'm a gear, ride us like Marcella prevail. I got no rhymes for the VHS community. Got some lunch meat for you Nimrods. Rat game, Steve Jobs on that PT style. I know more.